0: Hello and welcome to the Mechanics Institute Review podcast. My name is Peter J. Coles, and for this episode we're here at Brick Lane Bookshop to talk to the winner of their recent Short Story Prize, James Mitchell, and the head of that prize, Kate Ellis. James Mitchell is a writer and performer of science fiction, magical realism and true stories. He graduated from the Birkbeck Creative Writing MA in 2015, and since then has spent his time trying to smuggle odd tales into places like Vice, GQ, and the vacant fourth plinth of Trafalgar Square. Kate Ellis is a writer and bookseller based in London. Her short fiction has been published in the Open Pen Anthology, the Mechanics Institute Review, and the London Short Story Prize Anthology, among others. She runs the Brick Lane Bookshop Short Story Prize and is working on her first novel. First up, we are going to hear an extract from James's winning short story, A Body is an Empty Vessel.
1: A body is an empty vessel. Youth Pastor John will spend most of the service saying that Ruth has found her better place, which is exactly what we want to hear. People only ever care about what's in it for them. They're happy to let the low-calorie body of Christ save their souls, but they'd rather not think about how it's made. Nobody wants to imagine some factory pumping out God-body wafers Nobody wants to think about how the cry booth works, and they definitely don't want to think about what'll happen to Ruth's body when her coffin goes into the Somerton soil. I shut my eyes and try to really picture the worms between her long fingers, the ground's oil matting that dark hair, and wait for tears to flow. Regret doesn't come in any other language for Mum and Dad. When I showed them the one purple fingernail I painted this morning, to remember Dad asked why I'd adorned my own body. Today, Ruth has shiny pink varnished nails because a dead body is public property, dressed the way and lying the way the family wants it to. Everyone's got what they wanted from her big day, except her. My cheeks are flushing. Am I crying? No, it's not going to come from a purple nail. And now Youth Pastor John begins, Ruth Simmons, Ruthie to her friend's was a passionate girl who touched the lives of all who knew her. He clasps his knuckles. In just three months since joining our Somerton flock, she'd collected a circle of girls who cared for her and were slowly bringing her closer to God when disaster came. He says these things and more things like them, and everyone gathered in the missions hall hangs on all of it, even though every word is straight from the book of youth funeral cliches. A cliché. Is something you say or do over and over again until it's lost its power. That's one of the things she taught me.
0: So hello. Thank you for that, James. That was fantastic. Uh, Really good reading. Um, So we're joined, uh, as I said in the introduction, by Kate Ellis, Hello. And James Mitchell. Morning. Uh, we're in the Brick Lane Bookshop right now, which is very exciting. Before it's open, what time do you open today?
2: Eleven o'clock. Eleven
0: o'clock yeah. on a Friday.
2: Yes. Eleven o'clock every o'clock day. On a Friday. Every day. Every day eleven
0: o'clock. Every day eleven o'clock. There you go. Um, and uh, so the shop's not open. We can hear the cars rumbling outside. If that's what you hear, and we're here to discuss the Brick Lane Bookshop Short Story Prize. For the 2019 edition, and we're going to discuss the 2020 um, edition that's going to come out. Well, no, it hasn't. It's just open, hasn't it? The mm-hmm. competition's open. But we're here with the winner of the competition, James Mitchell, uh, for his story. You just said it. What was it called? I forgot again. Body is an Empty Vessel. A Body is an Empty Vessel. <laughs> Which is a good, good title. Thanks. So to start off with, I wanted to ask you, can you tell us about a little bit about the inspiration for the story? How did it come about?
1: The story follows um, a teenage girl called Constance who uh, grows up in a a town that's very strongly of faith in California and um, her world is shaken up a bit by a a city girl Ruth who walks into her life and at the same time they encounter um, this brand new invention that is like a photo booth except you go in there and you pay five dollars and you cry for five minutes and the the center of the story or at least the thing I first thought of was that invention I think I've had um quite a lot of invention-led stories in in my writing time and where that came from was you may or may not know uh about this thing called ASMR that is a uh strange YouTube phenomenon but it, it stands for, and this is almost certainly a made up bit of science, but um, what is it autonomic sensory meridian response? And that is a made up term uh, to <laughs> describe how some people um, sometimes get these these strange, like pleasant tingling sensations in their in their kind of scalp, like these sort of brain tingles. You do? Yeah,
0: I know. I know. I get that. Yeah.
1: I yeah. Get that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like, in, a, in a podcast, it's like someone like, turning a page or something, and you go, ooh, that's quite nice. And I always had that when I was little, but um, it's not really like a thing that you can really describe, and it's not a thing where I'd ever thought to say to anyone else, oh, this thing, does it ever happen to you? And, and it happens for really strange reasons, like... Um, It might happen when someone is describing something to you. It once happened to me when someone was training me how to use uh, the finance spreadsheet in a summer job. (laughs) I was like, keep talking. Yes, Um, And so it's really weird. And one of the great things the Internet has done for us is uh, anyone who's had like an individual strange experience can go, I've had this individual strange experience. Has anyone else had this strange experience? And then other people have. And then you can name things and... um, The course of kind of internet evolution means that something is described, it's named, and then it's replicated and commercialised. And as soon as people got together and worked out what the uh, stimulus was for this thing, people started making all these YouTube videos that are like, if you go on YouTube and search ASMR, you'll see, um, get an eye exam with me. Uh, Have your hair washed by me and it's like people making sounds and asking questions and stuff and um it was about five years ago when i first thought of this and it was because i had discovered this was a thing and then i massively
0: binged on all of the fake stimulus was there any particular one that you really enjoyed that created Um, this phenomena inside of you this is, <laughs> would you believe
1: that it was a librarian uh, okay. simulator where it's like, you go to the library and you they, they, the, the the librarian is like, oh, you got this thing, but you got American Psycho. And then they talk about the book and go through it. And then there's like a questionnaire bit. And there's a bit where uh, she orders in the Hobbit for you because they've run out of <laughs> copies. Uh, and... so I I went through all these things and I was like oh my god this unattainable feeling it's now available on demand and about two weeks later I had killed the feeling I desensitised the feeling um, and I had sort of that's the modern spirit
0: isn't it or whatever we are the contemporary spirit do something until it dies
1: discover indulge purge uh live without and discover
0: indulge purge that could be yeah. the title of this podcast I think now on. <laughs> discover, <laughs> indulge, <purge>. that's writing <laughs>
1: um and the story was one of the times where i have actually quite specifically gone i'd love to find a way of talking about this mm. without just talking about yeah. it yeah. although now i have just talked about it
0: No, no no i think that's one of the most difficult things in writing isn't it especially short stories is that you come up with an interesting idea uh or you you see something interesting in the world but it's about turning that idea into an actual story. So what was the process? Well, how did you go from this ASMR to then the cry booth and this sense of was that it was it was like a sense of purging, like to purge out all of your feelings?
1: I'm not sure what the leap was to go, well the the best version of this is this mm. but what I would say is um I think one of the reasons it works quite well is there's a good marriage between um the the idea that sits at the centre of it and the characters mm. that experience that idea. And one of the ways... So I like sort of do a bit of, I guess, science fictional stuff and a bit of literary stuff. I don't think they're separate, but uh, shelf-wise, I guess. Mm. And um, one of the things that's helped me understand my way through my ideas is... Sometimes things start with an invention and then I go, who would be uh, the, the worst people? Who would, who would most keenly experience this thing? Or where could this invention do the most damage? Uh, okay. And I think there are lots of different ways you can talk about um, binging on something until it's dead. But uh, there is a good marriage between, uh, I guess, the emotional um intensity of being a young person mm. uh and trying to seek seek out emotion trying to deal with it um there's a good marriage between that and crying it feels like a good way of talking about those things yeah
0: so going on then from your characters um so you write from connie as a sort of constance is a young female protagonist and obviously you're not a young female as far as I know, unless you... I believe I'm the protagonist, <laughs> which is a failing. Um, but, uh, so how, what was it like writing from her perspective? Did you find it difficult? I found... Because I think it's, yeah. uh, for me, it felt very authentic. Another white 35-year-old man, it felt yeah. very authentic. But I think a lot of people also find it authentic because you won the prize. So I guess it felt authentic. So how did you sort of tap into that mindset?
1: I think mostly by going very slowly. Hmm. Well, there are, few, there are a few things. I think one is there are aspects of experience that are shared or universal. And I think I tried to think about the emotional excesses within me. Um, I spent some time at a similar age in California and that was a time of high emotions. So a lot of the kind of sensory detail is, is part of that. So it's got the, the parts of me that, are shared with connie i think are in there and help it move but the rest of it i think is to do with going very slowly and going very sensitively Mm. um and i actually think that doing something where you know that person is different from you makes you go more carefully and is productive in that sense because i think i lent harder into the, the details of feeling and living because I was a bit wary of making some kind of misstep mm. and I've, ha- I've not been the best sometimes at I think writing about feelings within stories or having feelings within a story so to have a story about feelings and someone who's feeling them very intensely and even searching for them mm. maybe made it that slightly higher level of worked um than than you might otherwise do Mm. um and i guess that's that's yeah if you're trying to talk about something without talking about it if your main character is the same as you then you kind of just end up doing essayism so i removed myself far enough away that it made me go more slowly
0: okay on a more structural level how long did this how long did it take you to write this short story when when did it when was it sort of begun and how long did it take you handed it in to the short story prize last year?
1: I think it was about four years, four years, maybe five. Yes. There were a couple of versions of it. The version when I wrote it uh, first was the version I wrote when I was reading lots of science fiction. Okay, um, I'm still reading lots of science fiction, but lots of that and not much of anything else. Okay. And so it was an idea-led thing. And when I first wrote it, the title... Was not a body is an empty vessel. The title was Cry Booth because I was like, well, that's the that's the centre of this, <laughs> that's the good bit. Um, so we'll talk all about that. Yeah, and I think over time and to its benefit, as I've gone back, like kind of once a year, um, there's been less and less Cry Booth, more and more Connie, more and more Ruth, um, more and more emotion, and the invention has now kind of taken its proper place, not as the protagonist, but as the kind of... The
0: catalyst. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's very, very interesting. I think a lot of short stories that we get at Mia, they tend to be about the object rather than the character. It's all object-led or plot-led or something rather than character-led. And I think short stories, they have to be character-led. Did you get much feedback from this story when you were writing it? Did you submit it to... Workshops, writing groups, stuff like that? Or was it mainly led by
1: yourself? On reflection, I think I got a lot of really good feedback of one type and not enough of another. Mm-hmm. And that's because I didn't seek it. The, the good feedback that I got was... Um, I did the um, creative writing MA at Birkbeck. And some of us on the first short story module kept in touch and kept a writing group for quite a long time and I showed it to them and it wasn't the first thing I showed to them it was like the sick thing so one of the good things about the group was we all knew what each other was trying to achieve and we also knew what each other was um, I guess in danger of the the, the the kind of weaknesses that we were in danger of repeating and I think maybe they pushed me a bit more in the down the path of character which was really really helpful but i think what is missing and it doesn't i don't think it's i don't think there's any flaws in the story because of this i think there's just a version of it that would have been interesting that doesn't exist um what's missing is a bit of a sensitivity reading because as we said earlier it's it's me uh writing the other, mm. as we as we say now. Uh, and I think people should write the other. They should try. It expands the contours of your empathy. But it would have been fascinating to show it to people uh, of a similar background um, with a similar lived experience as far as that is possible and show it to them with the specific agenda of is this is this fair is this relatable uh is anything missing and i don't think there are any uh significant mistakes because i didn't do that but i think i wonder what i might uh have missed mm. that could have added uh, an extra level of fidelity or maybe it could have gone further uh down the path that it starts to go mm.
0: Not to date this podcast, but of course, at the moment we're there's sort of in the literary world there's the uh, blowback of the American Dirt. Have you heard about American Dirt? Yes. Yes. The (laughs) the American Dirt controversy, where the writer, her name's Janine Cummings, Janine Cummings, uh, has written a book about um, undocumented migrants, which is a term that lots of Mexican people do not uh, do not uh, um, like. coming into america and she's there's lots of controversy because lots of the, there's lots of anachronisms some things are just not true anymore that she's written names don't fit with like there's a boy called luca but boys are not called luca anymore mm. from that time or something like this and there's a lot of controversy about it and it feels like she tried to write the other and has failed but still got a seven figure deal at the end of it and it's now one of the biggest books that's going to come out this year um so, yeah, it's a really difficult topic and I don't want to yeah. push you about it. But I feel but you like... are going to. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I don't want to push you about it. I don't think we get too controversial on this podcast. Um, that's maybe for another one. But, uh, yeah, this idea that you said about giving it to people who are in that experience, finding them out, seeking them out and saying, is this true? Is this real?
1: And is it is it enough? Mm. If you know what I mean, is it enough of the truth? Yeah. Because... Um, one of the dangers, and maybe it's a bit of a short story danger as well, is that for the sake of brevity and speed, you, you get something that's true enough um, or you get something that's archetypal um, because then people can very quickly go, right, yes, that's the type of person. Mm. Um, that's who I'm dealing with. And it, it could be more. And I think it's something that maybe the, the whole ecosystem of a story needs to serve so like the writer the people they consult the person that edits it um sue tiley was copy editor on the the story and um she corrected uh which olympics i'd referred to in one bit um (laughs) that's how good she is she is good and if there was a copy olympics yeah she would win i
0: i wrote a short story um the, it was. It wasn't for anything. She was just. Oh, uh, it's for. No, it's for my dissertation. What I are was saying wasn't. It? <laughs> and I had a Japanese word in it because I, I studied Japanese in the past, and I, it was my stories about Japanese. And I wrote a Japanese word, and she checked it and found an error in my Japanese word. That's how good she there is. There you go. <laughs> I want to be that good. That she saw a mistake in a foreign language that she doesn't speak and still noticed that it was wrong.
1: But isn't that a nice experience it then was. someone says, uh, "You could know more about this thing." Yeah. And here's that. And. I mean, ultimately, we're not, some people might say that people, you know, writers live to write, but ideally you write to live and you write to kind of expand your horizons and understand more about people. So writing the other compassionately and then being constructively helped, that seems like a a net benefit no matter what happens to your work.
0: (laughs) Right. Sorry, Kate has been sitting here very quietly the whole time and I want to bring it in now to discuss the, the prize itself. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest question what inspired you to start the story the short story prize the Brooklyn short story prize again after 25 years of it not existing
2: probably knowing how good it feels to have your story acknowledged in any kind of prize or um, by an editorial group um, and how much it kind of validates you as a writer and makes you think oh hang on a minute there's a stranger who has read my work and they think it's all right. And I I wanted to make that happen for more people. Um, and I think I was also inspired because I was an editor at the Mechanics Institute Review mm-hmm. a couple of times, which means I read like 100 stories and we put together an anthology. And I found that process quite exciting because you read hundreds of voices and it makes you kind of... It makes you think about what is a good story and why and you have to curate a book which is quite i don't know it's um it's making something in the world that wasn't there before mm. which is a very satisfying thing to do
0: yeah i understand that you started by trying to go for arts council funding but that fell through and then sort of what happened
2: um basically i pitched it to Brick lane bookshop and said do you think we could run a prize here and they are wonderful and very open to suggestions and fortunately for an independent bookshop are making a small profit and able to push some of that into projects. Um, I just so want to say,
0: an independent bookshop making a profit has to be one of the greatest pieces of <laughs> news. We should spread that <laughs> wide. I mean, it doesn't I think... open till 11. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> open
1: till 11. But it's In on these Brick dark Lane. times.
2: Yeah, I, I think that... <laughs> That's quite a good thing I to think do. we're lucky in this area. There's quite a few bookshops within a 5 minutes walk. There's Libraria on Hanbury Street and there's Pages on Cheshire Street. There's Rough Trade over there. And everyone's been here quite a few years now. And we're all doing okay. And I think all of us benefit from the, the tourism of Brick Lane. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a quiet street on weekdays and there was nothing here. You couldn't even buy lunch anywhere. And now it's busy every single day and there's like hundreds of tourists. And I think, and also we're all good bookshops. Yeah, but, mm. um, very think, good bookshops. Yeah. I think we're sort of fortunate and we work hard every day and we kind of think about what we stock. Mm. And so we're, we're still here, which is kind of a small miracle. It is. But independent bookshops, we? I think we don't so directly compete with Amazon as chains mm. and People, fortunately, seem to value independent bookshops and the fact that we make our own choices, so people that come here might be surprised by what's on the shelves. It's not necessarily what is top of the list at Waterstones. Mm. So it's, you know, I think it's... Um, we're still here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So with the Short Story Prize, what was the sort of aim? Did you have, like, a like a, a philosophy behind starting it again?
2: I think, well, the, the initial prize that you're referring to was the... Um, Eastside Novel Bursary, which was um, only open to three boroughs in London, which Mm -hmm. is Tower Hamlets, Newham and Hackney, I think, or Stepney. Um, And that was about uh, finding underrepresented voices and diverse voices and people who didn't know how to get into publishing or writing. And so I think the philosophy of this prize is similar. It's open to the whole UK, but we're interested in voices that we haven't heard before and originality and finding people, yeah, who, who may not sort of find success on traditional routes. So I guess it's about that and about celebrating sort of creativity mm-hmm. and innovation. Is
0: there anything that sort of you want to do? Because, um, yeah, just to tell the listeners, the mm-hmm. Brick Lane uh, bookshop prize 2020 is now open again it is so you can submit and I already said you have some submissions already we which do is yeah they're fantastic. coming in
2: faster than i imagined i'm a bit terrified <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Like there's, laughs> do the, you have the...
0: all your readers set up already do you have some readers i have go?
2: some readers set up there's a lot more this year i'm going to um get in touch with many more than i did last okay. year um because last year we had 463 entries so i'm hoping for a similar number but perhaps more this year so that means i need to get in touch with about 15 or 20 first readers um and check their availability great so that's quite exciting the deadline is 15th of may 15th so of we've may. got like just over four months to go so if they keep coming in at this rate and the extra hundred we got in the last day last year like <laughs> it's, it's gonna be crazy <laughs>
0: I, I think I said this before, but yeah. wow, uh, like if you're going to submit to a magazine, just spread it out, you know, just maybe do it at the beginning. Don't mm-hmm. do it on the minute, like the last. We we now close our competition at 5pm every single time because yeah. often we just stay up till midnight.
2: That's the error I made And last then there'd be year. like a
0: thousand entries coming in. <laughs> yeah.
2: Last year I thought, oh, it'd be really cool to have the deadline at midnight. Yeah. And that looks good. But I was just in my kitchen watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching entries come in at like 1159 and I was tired, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's 20 laughs> but I had to remove the link from the website, yeah. so I had to be up. Uh, this, this year it's 5pm. 5pm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I
0: think it's good That's for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So that people so aren't too. up staying up all night trying to do it. Yeah. What What did you hope readers would get from the stories from last year? And what do you hope to do differently this year, maybe? Because it's unthemed, right?
2: Yeah, there's no theme. Mm. We accept any short stories as long as they're for adults and written in English. And what's um, the workout? It's 1,000 to 5,000 words. 1,000. That's really
0: good. That's very, very generous. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's kind of... I wanted the upper limit to be at least 5,000 because it gives the story room to be as long as it wants to be. Um, And you can can go to some pretty weird places in 5,000 words Mm. um, and live in that place for a while. Um, So I guess um, I wanted the stories to move people and excite people and take them to places they've never been before and present them with ideas like James's cry booth and like this year we had people who were kidnapped we had people who were carers we had people who were anorexic like there's quite uh, I think maybe one of the themes is extreme experience Mm. in this year's anthology Mm -hmm. um I that wasn't necessarily intentional it's just what happened it, it, one of the interesting things about reading so many stories is you under, you begin to understand what's collectively on people's minds. Um, were
0: there any mm-hmm. themes that kept on appearing? There Apart are, from like extreme experiences? Or there any were specific kind of.
2: Themes? There were quite a lot of stories, sort of dystopian stories. Okay. Um, there were a lot of stories where the protagonists. Wanted to or had escaped their reality. Wow, okay. Um, there were a lot of references to homelessness. Right. Um, there were a lot of stories with sexual themes be that adultery or first dates, um, or just sort of oddities. I read a lot of stuff that I probably didn't need to imagine. Okay, oh god, <laughs> oh, um, okay, yeah, there's, I guess, like. That's the fun thing about writing a short story, you don't have to have experienced it yourself. Yeah. It's like you, you are able to make things happen to your protagonist that you never want to happen to yourself. Mm. But you want to understand how that would affect you emotionally and put your characters through absolute hell mm. <laughs> and share mm. that with your reader. Which sometimes is a generous thing to do, sometimes it's not.
1: Um.
2: <laughs> 15 <laughs> <Yeah>. first readers <laughs> listening to this okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh,
0: is there anything that you you would recommend not submitting
2: a story that you've only just finished the first draft mm. of basically yeah, that's a really good mm. yeah. um, if I... it says
0: like document name for the first draft yeah don't send that in no like (laughs) for your own benefit don't send yeah like there
2: will be mistakes however much of a genius Mm. you are you you're likely to make an error in the first line if it's the first draft and probably you should erase your first paragraph um i probably the best advice is to read your story out loud to yourself more than once so that you know that your sentences make sense and you can articulate them and therefore the reader can read them clearly. Um, there's there's no theme or kind of subject matter that I wouldn't accept. I think if it's written well and with um, curiosity and sort of like genuine investigation into that subject, then that's interesting. But yeah, just... Um, be careful. Mm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, attention to detail is really important. It means that you respect your story and also the person that's going to read it, mm. because it will be read by at least two people. Yeah, so which in it itself depends.
0: is a, it's such an experience to be read. Yeah, by anybody. So yeah, to be you know you'll be read by two people is fantastic. Mm. That's really really good. And who are your judges for this year? This so last year, year it was
2: last year it was Zoe Gilbert who wrote the book Folk. Mm-hmm. And it was Emma Emma Patterson, who is an agent at Aitken Alexander. Mm -hmm. And it was Kit Kalis, who is a publisher at Influx Press. Mm -hmm. Um, And this year we've repeated the agent-writer-publisher format. So we've got Chris Power, whose book Mothers came out last year with Faber, and who has a brilliant thing in The Guardian called The Brief Survey of the Short Story. Um, which he's he's been writing for I don't know years it feels like and he he understands short stories very very well Uh, so we've got him and we've got the agent is Harriet Moore who works at David Hyam and whose taste is impeccable Um, she's one of the few agents who actually lists short story writers as her favorite she likes Lydia Davis she likes Elizabeth Strout she likes Claudia Rankin she likes Joy Williams Um, So I think, yeah, she's pretty cool. And we've got Charmaine Lovegrove. Wow. Who spearheads Dialogue Books, which is an imprint of Little Brown. And their aim as a publisher is to represent voices that you don't usually hear in publishing. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a pretty... I think they're a brilliant judging that's panel. I'm yeah. biased Fantastic because panel, yeah. <laughs> I chose them. Well, last year was great too, but that's yeah.
0: A, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, and it's excited. amazing that you can get such big names to come and do yeah. this for you as well. They
2: all, I emailed them and they all said yes, yeah.
0: which amazed me. It was, that's, it was great. That's awesome. Mm. Um, so, again, what's the deadline for the, the competition? It's
2: 15th of May. 15th of May. 5 p.m. 5
0: p.m. on the dot. <laughs> yes. You'll be removing the, te- the, the link at yeah. 5 p.m. Yeah. From the HTML, getting yeah. it, getting it off And if you thing.
2: don't submit before then, that's it. We did get emails last year afterwards going, I just missed it. You're like, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're open again next year. Please submit. We have a lot of entries. You know, yeah.
0: And I need to go to bed. That's still the other problem. Yeah. Okay. So we always end the podcast by asking two questions to our uh, listener uh, to our guests. What are you currently reading, and what would you always recommend? To people, I'm sorry about the squeaky chair, by the way. Yeah, if you I, mean, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> need to get
2: some
0: WD forty. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's start with James. What would you? What are you reading at the moment? And what would you always recommend?
1: I am. I'm only five pages into a new book, so I feel like anything I said about it would just be what I'd read from the back. But I'm I'm still basking in the in the afterglow of *The Dispossessed* by Ursula Le Guin, which, I mean, uh, Ursula we. We lost her a couple of years ago, I think. And she is one of the people that altered um, the boundaries of what science fiction, speculative fiction can be mm. and um, is a great inspiration to me. And The Dispossessed is the story of um, two planets that orbit each other. Um, one which um, is a kind of anarchist commune world where no one owns anything, everyone shares everything and, and those people are, uh, I guess outcasts, self-outcasts, refugees from another planet that to them is decadent and appalling and stratified and cruel um, uh, but the more you read of it, the more you go, oh wait it's it's very much like the world that we live mm-hmm. in now but through the eyes of um, the protagonist who has come between worlds, um, it looks very strange. So it does that fantastic trick of um, making you look again uh, at what already is Mm. um, to see just how weird it is. Um, So I I absolutely loved it and it has made me think more about what's possible, which is always a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's powerful then. It's very, very powerful. What about you, Kate? What are you reading at the moment?
2: At the moment, I'm actually reading a really geeky book by a copy editor called Benjamin Dreyer, which is called um, Dreher's English, which is telling me um, everything I never knew about the English language. Um, Can you give an example
0: is... of one thing that surprised you? Uh,
2: this is gonna attest to what I've actually retained. from the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, as we were talking about earlier, that you cannot um, begin a list with like. Mm. Because if you say, I have been in publications like the New Yorker and Granter, that means that you've been in publications that might be a bit like them. If you say, I've been in publications, colon, New Yorker and Granter, you've actually been in them. Mm. I haven't, obviously. <laughs> We're <One> dreaming. <laughs> but, um So I'm reading that. Um, but the books that are lingering with me are a couple that I read just before Christmas. One is Weather by Jenny Offill, which is out, I think, next month. And she, she wrote the Department of Speculation a few oh. years ago, which I also loved. And it's a kind of, um, it's kind of a bit autofiction-y and it's a sort of fragmented account of a woman living in New York who is dealing with being the mother to her young son and having a partner and having a part-time job and also the end of the world and prepping and kind of how everything could fall apart. Um, But it's written in these sort of like very terse fragments and Every time I read her, I'm amazed at how much information and warmth she gets into a tiny amount of words. I think she's brilliant. Um, And another one that has lingered is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. Mm. And I loved her short stories. And this doesn't disappoint. It's also sort of fragmented, actually. Um, But it's an account of the fairly awful relationship she had with a woman who mentally abused her. Which sounds really grim. But it's a brilliant, compelling book, and yeah, that's lingered with me too. I think I did not do a podcast about that. Was she on the cut? <laughs> Sorry, I'm breaking the yeah. fourth <laughs> wall. <laughs> she was on the cut. Yeah. Oh a good. Do
0: you know she's on a po- There's a podcast called The Cut.
2: I don't know that one. And I'll And she's listen. A,
0: there's an episode about that. Okay. Where she talks about it. Oh, I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, I've just yeah. I'm currently reading um, her-, her body and other stories, oh, that's which is great. just. I've been struggling. I've had a dry spell for such a long time of good literature to listen, uh, to read. And it was just like, it's broken that spell of just yeah. being, oh, this is so it's good. It's really addictive, isn't it's it? It's really addictive, <laughs> yeah. really positive. Yeah. Okay, finally, uh, what book would you always recommend?
1: I would always recommend... Depends what people want, I guess. <laughs> but um, I, know a, I know a very particular case for recommending... Um, Civil Warland in Bad Decline by George Saunders, which is a short story collection that I would uh, thrust into the hands of anyone who thought they knew and didn't like short stories (laughs) uh, and who thought that they had a kind of limited scope because that is a book that is very... It deals with very serious things, but is very playful and silly in the way that it deals with them. It covers a lot of territory. And I suppose also... um, I like it personally because he, like me, is white and male, and in you will know, we'll be okay probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but but writes a lot about w- weakness and vulnerability, mm. weak and vulnerable people, and what they go through. People that are put in situations where they don't have the power or the control, and how you can find um, uh, tenderness within that. Uh, and reading it, I guess, maybe put me on a bit of a path of thinking about those things and writing about those things. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, someone's at Sorry, the door. Get
0: the
1: <laughs> it's the delivery. I wonder what he's reading. Should
0: <laughs> <laughs> we ask him? Can we keep this bit in? <laughs>
2: it's
0: the delivery. I wonder what's in there. Books, obviously. Or is it not books? Oh, that that box looked too light to be books. Is it books? Yeah, I mean, probably. (laughs) It's a bookstore. (laughs) Um, Okay, yeah, so uh, what book could you always recommend?
2: Um, Because James has mentioned John Saunders, I should admit I regularly recommended The 10th of December Mm -hmm. by him. Um, But uh, if someone wanted to... If someone was into short stories, I would recommend... Lydia Davis is collected because I started rereading some of them last night and she's amazing like there's a story in there called Break It Down which is probably only a thousand or so words long but she packs all the emotions of a broken relationship into that and it stays with you for years. Wow. I think she's a master so maybe that if people want to geek out on short stories. Cool. Yeah. And I
0: get—I guess you can get all those books from here, right? Of course, you can. Yeah, yeah. or you can order them.
2: Yeah,
0: don't go to Amazon. Come to no, Bricklane Books. We
2: can get all the books in next day.
0: Yeah, can you? Oof. We can. That's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, it was fantastic to speak to both of you. Secretly, this was again because the first recording we did <laughs> got destroyed. <Yeah. laughs> we read uh, that script really well, though. We right? did. Yeah. yeah, I was planning to just like. <laughs> Write it all out and then get everyone to do it. Yeah, but I think we did. I think we did it well again. Yeah, so it was that's fresh. really good. It was fresh and f- brand new year. Okay, so again, one more time, you can see the deadline for the Bricklane Lane Bookshop fifteenth of, of May five p.m. 5pm on the dot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, and you can pick up a copy of last year's or you the current can. copy. It's
2: available here. Mm-hmm. It's available at a lot of other bookshops, and you can buy it on our website. Yeah.
0: So if you want to hear the rest of James, read the rest of James's story. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for coming thank on the podcast. You. Thank you. Thank you to James Mitchell and Kate Ellis. And thank you to the Brick Lane Bookshop for having us. If you like what we do here at Mirror Online and you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts, go to mirroronline.org slash podcasts or find them wherever you listen to them.